0: Welcome to the Rugby Bits podcast, and it's another episode where we're going to look at um, some Six Nations. We're going to look at um, the week four of the Six Nations, some big wins for Ireland and France, and then we're going to bring in a special guest that we'll introduce later to look at it from a South African perspective. I'm Tyler, I've got Cooks here for our, our our episode, and I think we're going to have some fun talking about some of these big, surprising matches that happen now this weekend. Cooks, you're on the podcast with me, or how are you doing? I think. Just judging from some of the results to your sports teams in the weekend, I see positives because Chelsea won. I see a good positive because the Tears won. I see obviously a negative because Finn Russell lost. But at least you also have the, and I think probably the highlight for you for this weekend is a big positive because Fergus Burke lost for the Crusaders against the Drawer.
1: Oh, Tono. Fergus Burke. (laughs) Oh, and that guy. I'll tell you. First of all, I'm doing very well. Thanks. It's good to be back on the pod. Uh, it's back-to-back week, so I'm, I'm, I'm in good form at the moment. Um, but um, <laughs> uh, the Frigian drew a Crusaders game. I didn't watch it. because I, I think it played at like 7 in the morning. And then I got the, obviously saw the result. And then I, started, I was about to watch the highlights, And then I saw Fergus Burke. And I was like, I'm not doing this. I am not putting myself through this. Because what I'm the- not even surprised they lost anymore. I was surprised when I saw the score. Then I saw Fergus Burke. And I was like, of course they lost. Of course they did. They <laughs> <Fergus, laughs> Burke is responsible for more Crusaders upsets than the actual Crusaders themselves. In Fergus Burke plays, bad things happened to the Crusaders. Now they have to win 10 games in a row, one or five first, win the whole thing. It's the same old, same old story. But Chelsea's back. So I'm in a very positive space at the moment. Not even Finn Russell could get me down instead because Chelsea won, well, won three games in a row now. So we are in Ooh. uncharted territories at the moment.
0: And um, it seems like Mason Mount is also leaving the club, and that probably makes you happy. Uh, the Sangosi household is very happy with those news. Very, very happy. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're going to start with our first phase. It'll be a quick one. Um, we um, asked, um, it was actually from one of our loyal dirt trackers, Andre Hill, and he was talking about if you could bring in one consultant coach um, from now into the World Cup, who would it be? So... And then we, you have to say the coach, the team that they would come into and what role they would play. So I'll start by just reading some of the responses. So Andre himself um, wanted to go a bit out of the box and he said that he would bring in Prier um for the Italian team just to um, help with like tactical execution and kicking game. And yeah, I think Cooks will obviously talk a little bit about Italy and Wales at the end, but I think that pretty much sums up the issues that Italy has, that, Attack is great. Most of the other phases of play are great. It's just the defense and the game management, which is actually quite bad at the moment. 100%. I mean, I'm, I can't read another Italy
1: short promise, oh, just couldn't close the game out article again. It's, 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 like, I think Free Dupree would be spot on. I, mean, I think they probably need to play more than anything else, play for the, more than anything else. Yeah. But yeah, I think Free Dupree would Dupree would, would definitely be spot on for Italy.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, I think Von is not a bad scrum half, but he's not a good game manager at all. Like, yeah, I think Frederic at, what fifty or forty five or whatever. He'd probably help them with a lot with that. Um, and then rugby fixation podcast. That's our friend Mitch Evans. He's come on the podcast once or twice um before. He suggests Alex Good, which is a very interesting one to help with um, kicking for for France kick-ons. I, I assume that's maybe for kickoffs. I'm not even sure actually about that because France, all they do is kick and kick long uh, most of the time. Yeah,
1: hundred percent. Yeah, I, I, I mean they, they they do. I do enjoy the way France go by the kicking, but I think it'll be interesting to get someone I there it's good. I mean that's a great, when well, you good. It's a great something different. I mean, but I mean uh, I can't see I don't want
0: France to get any stronger than they are now. Then there'll be even bigger problem. <laughs> no, and um, Floc'helia has got that tender. On lockdown there in France, and he's been doing a good job with them. And then two suggestions for obviously the for the English right now. One is Victor Matfield just to be a mentor for the pack. Um, yeah, I don't know if Victor Matfield only can help with that. I think yeah, they'll need a bit more than that. And then the other one is Andy Good as a player coach. Um, yeah, I don't I don't think England needs even more fly offs to be added to this fly half conundrum that they have right now. No,
1: hundred percent, especially ones that are. Um, quite overweight. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I think um, um any good as a player
0: coach. I don't think it's gonna be the best of suggestions. I mean, this week we'll go on to England, France just now, but I've already listened to a podcast where someone said, "No, Smith's not the answer. Farrell's not the answer. We should try George Ford." And I'm like, "You guys really can't make a decision here."
1: No, hundred percent. It's, it's. I mean, obviously we get into England and the miss, but it's the guys are fighting for the same things they fought Eddie Jones for. So I'm like, you guys are literally going in circle. So like, uh, Eddie Jones just believes young players. And now it's Borthwick, like it's orders all, it's all the youth. I'm like, who do you guys want to see play for England? Johnny Wilkinson again. Like, I don't understand. Like, what, <laughs> what, what, what? Let me save my England rant for later.
0: Yeah, I think let's get actually onto that. We'll start with, you, we can't start anywhere else, but this record victory for France against England it's France's first win in Twickenham um, since 2005 in the Six Nations, and they beat England for a record score of 53 points to 10, the largest loss for England in Twickenham ever. The, and actually, interestingly enough, one Steve Borthwick was involved in the three biggest losses for England in Twickenham. He was involved as captain for the 42-8 loss in 2008 and the, I think, it's 36-6 loss to the, to the All Blacks. Um, in 2008. And then this last he was involved as the head coach. So, Cooks, I think it seems like there's a common denominator here.
1: Yeah, 100%. I think he needs to, I think they must play their games with a stoop or, or, or if, if, we, <laughs> if he can play at the rec because, I mean, clearly he's a steward boy and playing a trick in him isn't, isn't working too well for him. But when I mean, you mention the All Blacks there, it'd be interesting to know how many record scores do the All Blacks, that's my Lord Shaden coming back on. <laughs> how many, how many scores do the, how many like highest scores do the All Blacks have in terms of hiding teams? Like, I mean, I'm sure Millennium Stadium they won a couple of records and like here yeah, in South Africa, but I'm sure the All Blacks probably hold the most, like highest, biggest wins in opposition stadiums. I mean, yeah. the, the amount a lot of destruction they have caused over the years. So that might actually be an interesting, strat, uh, interesting stat to see.
0: Yeah, I was thinking about this yesterday and I was, Try to think about like really awesome like thrashings of like tier one teams, but especially like the, also the bigger tier one teams, the ones that have the most like rugby resources. So England, France, the All Blacks and Springboks. And just trying to think where does this France performance fall into that rank? I I mean, just thinking about what New Zealand has done to teams in the last like 10 or so years. I mean, we know what they did in Albany to the Springboks in 2017. We don't speak about that. Um, the France-New Zealand quarterfinal in the 2015 World Cup was probably one of the best games I've seen from a team as well. So that's already two of them and they have at least once every two years some victory against Australia where they get 40 points. Yeah, they seem to be sort of the causes of distraction. But I think just to get into the nitty-gritty of this result, like it was just amazing how well France played and they just had total dominance in each and every facet of the game. And I remember in last week's podcast and just to do a little bit of gloating, I remember in the last week's podcast when you guys were saying, no, you think England might sneak it. And I was like, I'm not sure about this because there's (laughs) definitely a difference between France and Ireland and the rest. I think the, the gap is quite clear that there's at least in the Northern Hemisphere, we'll leave the South for a little bit later, but there's two elite teams and then the rest are pretty much fighting for third at the moment. And France from the first minute with that try from um, Thomas Ramos where Olivon and Flamont just were able to get in, um, ride the tackle and offload and, and, and cause that line break. They, they were just dominant over England.
1: Yeah, 100%. Just pure, pure dominance. I think I tweeted yesterday. So obviously there's a lot of things going on the internet and obviously the English media say how oh, bad the English are at the moment. And I was like, I get England are a mess, but geez, the, f- the France are good though. That was, uh, and, I, and I said to you guys, I mean, obviously France have been, have been managed to pull amazing results in the last couple of years. But for me, that's the best I've seen them play since that first half against the All Blacks in 2021 when they basically ran the All Blacks off their feet and sort of announced themselves that like this is a potential World Cup contender. And I thought, yes, they, every, they just ticked every box. They bullied England. They, the king game was on song. They defended well. And England... Sort of showed a little bit of glimpse of life, and then France just shut them down completely after, yeah, after yeah. The, the English try. And I'm like, every box that a team should tick, France ticked it. And then, and obviously, and then they still even left a little bit of flair at the end with that move with, with Aaron Bernau at the end. But like, just pure, pure domination. You could, and the gap between England and France took that just that much bigger. And it, it, and not footballers like some of those games where were like, oh, it should have never been 53. T-. That felt like a 53-10 hiding. It, yeah, it felt like France had 50 points been than England. That, so that's how good France were on that day. And it's and France may not win the Six Nations. And I know this year sort of coming in, they haven't been at their best. They haven't been the France they were last year. But that was a warning shot on the weekend. That was a listen. If up below par is us losing one game to a very good Ireland side, this is us at our best. And and when France plays like that. It's hard to see a team beating them in terms of, if they play that if they're if they're playing that tall. It's very hard any team on any day
0: beating them, beating that French side on the weekend. So, quicks just to expand on that, like what do you think France does well when they're playing in this form? Because I think yeah, and I I, I, I like to hear like your thoughts about even just the last few games that France had. But I think France, I mean, clearly number one, they're motivated for this game and. Um, journalist, um, French journalist Paul Edison was talking about that they had this one circled because this was the last thing that they could sort of tick off before the World Cup because they've beaten everyone, you know, as far as possible as they've faced them. They've won the Six Nations. They've won a Grand Slam. The next thing was, you know, taking away this hoodoo of not beating England and twicken them, which they did now. So this was clearly the game they're motivated for. But I think in the first few games, maybe there were... I think in the France and the, I mean, the Ireland and the Italy game, it seemed like they are trying to go wide and they're trying to sort of play with a bit more width and play with more ball in hand because there was some pressure on Gaultier, but, you know, there was too much kicking in November. They were kicking too much against the Springboks and against Australia. So they almost fell into that trap. But then in the last two games against Scotland and England, they've been going route one and they've been going with those um, Dupont from the base of the ruck, passing on to these big forward carriers and just doing that over and over and over again and obviously having just that amazing quick ball so that, you know, the likes of Flamon and Olivon and Willemson, all those people are just making meters all the time. So it seems like they just decided they're going to go narrow when they attack teams and that's been a big part of, of, of them playing well in the last few weeks or at least in this yeah. weekend's game. 100%. And I think for
1: me, this French side, which makes them so dangerous, is their ability and their willingness as Rusty would say, to go to the gutters. They're, they, they, they kick very well. They kick deep. They sort of, they almost want you to have the ball. They almost want you to fall in the trap of trying to run it back from 60, 70 meters. And They're a very patient kicking team as well. And, and, and what I love about them is also defensively, I mean, Sean Edwards did an amazing job. Defensively, they're, they're very, very sound, but they're willing to go down to the gutters. They're willing to work you and grind you. But they have that ability of that French flair. Like the first try they created, something out of nothing, offload comes in, Flamma goes through. When Oliver plays offload and then France goes from 60 meters out, they still have the ability to do that. They, they still have that French flair, but now that French flair finally has substance. There's finally a glue, there's okay. a, a, a substance that, 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 that can actually travel. Because France, for me, is a, it's like a side that can win anywhere in the world because I, I believe they have a pack that can. Prov- go up against the spring box. maybe not go toe to toe, but they got enough okay. depth in their pack to match this try and match the spring box starting and on the starting and reserve pack. So they have that substance to do that. They have the kicking game to to, to be as patient as spring box or kicking game to trouble like the War Trouble or wanna be But they still have enough flair. DuPont's still a free they still have so much X factor there in DuPont and Tamarcan there's there's still no Villiers and and like you look at it and for me that's that's what scares me the most about this French side is that substance. Because normally the French, are like, oh, you, you want to make this game slower. You want to slow it down, force them into making mistakes. Now, it's the French that force you into making mistakes. Because France don't mind getting into a 35-34 game because they've got the players to do it. But mm-hmm. for them, they want to they grind you down. They want to they bully you. So for me, the French side is, that's the most dangerous thing, the thing about them. And, I think a lot of people don't see that. I think that they keep waiting for like, oh, the French tend to fall away. The French that you, you know what to expect for them. You know what to expect from this French side. That's what actually makes them even more dangerous. That's it's weird. Like it's they've become a better side because they do the things that they aren't. The things that used to be they're known for, they've gone away from that. And I think Gaultier, that's what he's done, and that's what he's sort of brought that substance. Because I mean, like tell me, you, you look at that. You look at how they decimated the English. vote the the English pack, it wasn't just like, yes, the scramming was good, but like, how many times the likes of Rose Ladlam and Alex Dombrant being smashed backwards and, and like you said, France going route one at Twickenham, coming around the corner, picking goals, and you think to yourself, this is against England. And, and the England side team would tend to dominate most packs except for the Springboks. And France went to Twickenham and took them on up front and put it them.
0: Yeah, I think just talking about the, that French pack, at the very least, I mean, some might still say maybe France is number one. And you know, when they played the box in November, they didn't have um, they didn't have all their like first and second choice um, options. So they obviously had injuries to. Cyril Biel was coming back from an injury, and I think there was an issue with Julian Marchand. He was just coming back from injury, so they didn't have maybe all of their um, big guns available. Even in this game against England, I mean, <laughs> their first. Well, two of their first three choice um tight heads were suspended, um, because it seems like it's a prerequisite to be a tight head for France. You need to get a record or two. And they're playing um Aldeguerre, who's obviously a great tight head for for Toulouse and plays with Bay and uh, Marchand every week. And Aldeguery cooked Ellis Genge in the scraps, which is absolutely scary. I mean, I think the box are the only team that can go to their fourth choice is probably now what Thomas Detoy and do quite well against like most international um, scrums, um, scrummaging teams. So that's just scary in terms of depth. And if, if you don't think the, if you think the box are better than the French, fine, but the French are probably just like number two and not far off in that distance. So they've got the forward pack. They really, actually, they set piece. They really make a mistake in their lineups and their scrums. Like they're quite efficient with that. they Rolling wall defense is really good. Paul Willemser is an issue there. Cameron Wacke, when he's usually there, he has just these long limbs that he gets around. And they have, in terms of their own lineup, they have pretty much four line-out jumpers from Flamante to all of their loose forwards. And then, obviously, in the ruck and, and the tight loose, they're just brilliant there because their pick him and game drive is great. Their um, running off nine is awesome. And obviously, you've got the best nine in the world over there. And... They just are able to get such quick ball. And I know Squid Rugby always makes this point about the ball placement of the French. And it's really such a big advantage. They really place the ball, you know, in the perfect position for DuPont to come pick it up and then just pass the ball to the next person. So they can get that momentum from there. And then that's not even touching on their back line in their kicking game, which has been going really well for them. Like do you, that's, and I think this pause here, that DuPont kick we changed direction and changed to the left foot and then he found that pretty much a 50-22 in the first Can't half I, I don't even know what to say about that kick like it's unfair actually I, and i yeah i'm not even saying this as a joke it's actually unfair that someone can kick from both feet like that and he can just right. pull it's off kicks ever it's not right like <laughs> like
1: i was watching it like at, and and I want to say to people like it took, I I was probably one of the last few people like I'm, I, I always thought Dupont was a good player, but I, and I always saw like the, the expected things. I was like, "Oh, but his team's going to get better," and like like his servers and things like that. But like once all those things got added to his game, I was like, "Guys, this guy's a freak." There's literally there's no other way to to describe it. It's like it's that he's a freak, like Gordon buried level type of freak. He's, he's, he's in yeah. that ilk now. Like this, I remember even like when he got the ball. In the 22 nothing happens playing nine, chip and chase chips t- himself the next you know they they, they on the England 22 again you're like stop it like, <laughs> 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 like your sides are really that good and it's like then you add a, a someone freaky like Antoine de Pot and yeah yeah I could see I mean the French are a very very scary side um and yeah unfortunately England and Steve Borthwick had to <laughs> <laughs> that should be for, bear the brunt of it for that for that because i thought it was even steven board the coming out party not as france yeah. being like listen we're still very very good and we're gonna use we're gonna use trick it to to, to to sort of dispel all these rumors and all these things saying that we're not as good as we are last year may have been a you know, flash in the pan and yeah yeah i think it's that's was so good so good to watch i think you know it was, it was brilliant I was watching in Cape Town. there was a few French guys there that just arrived in South Africa on the Friday. And they fish. were. They made it. I felt like I, I felt like I was in Marseille. That that's how much of a vibe <laughs> it was there. had fireman's arms in Yule, in tiny Cape Town. So it, it it was special to us. The change that was an English fan. The grumpy as anything. So he turns to us because like, we serve serving the French guys, and he's like, "Can you please say one word of the French national anthem?" I'm like, "But man, don't take it on me.
0: I'm just here having a beer." <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like what about you? Yeah, you know, talk to Alex Dombrin. Don't talk to Cooks. Like, what do what Cooks do about your team here? And let's, before we go into England, I want you to pick out one, uh, uh, one of the performances. You're not allowed to pick out the punt because we all know how brilliant he was. And then your favorite try from, from, the, from the game. For promise yeah, no brainer. Charles Vaughan.
1: Oh, I thought I said it open inside flankers. When you watch them like live, when you watch them initially and you're like, man, he's having a good game. And then like, and then you rewatch the game, you're like, the circle's actually on another level. Because then you sort of yeah. like, focus on him when you... Charles Olivon was a man amongst boys this weekend. I mean, he's fetching, tackling, offloading, everything that he just displayed his full skills. And obviously, he had a big injury last year. Now he's sort of clicking into, into top, top, top form. But I thought... For me, Charles Olive One was was the standout. And for me, my favorite try, the the Ponot was great, but I love, loved the first try, the Thomas try, the Ramos try. because um, the guys I was watching with, so when when the wreck happens to feel they broke, he literally goes like, yo, the French, they love to have a crack. Literally, boom, 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 within a minute, <laughs> <laughs> And then you're like, oh, man, like, did you, because you were on the phone like a minute ago. Were you, are you on the direct line with Fabian Coutier? Because yeah, sure. <laughs> you are on the phone. You tell me France do to have a crack and it's, you know, the France on the poles and 60 metres out. Like, who are you calling? Like, <laughs> like, who are you speaking to? But those, I mean, the Damien Pernod. If, if Damien Pernod could score pick and go, he was, you'd he, have my favourite try. He's not our favourite player at the moment, but F. soon go with the, the first try and Charles Oliver. What about you?
0: Yeah, in terms of a try, I think, that tried the end of the half. I think that's when, I mean, shame. We'll go to England now, but like, that's when I was like RIP to England in that game because it's a scrum. They get absolutely monstered in that scrum. And it's so bad that the, I do not even know what the backline was doing for England. I actually haven't watched the second time, but I want to see what, what, what was going on with them because they were just looking. And Greg Aldred, who was probably, I think close to my player of the day, for yeah. that game. He just picks it up and he's like, great, I'm going to go. And yeah, they just create that try there for, I think it was Oliver that scored it at the end. And it was just dominant how they dealt with England. And look, I, I, it is Genj and Kyle Sinclair aren't the best scrummaging props in the world. Oli isn't, you know, the heaviest tight lock in the world. But, you know, that's not a bad English pack. That's pretty much the average for, you know, most international packs at the moment. And, the, what, what France did to that pack with their fourth choice tight head is ridiculous. Like they really just stamped their mark on the game to say, you're not in our level. Don't ever think again that you're ever close to our level. And any of these teams that think they are on our level, you're not. And I think they sort of multiplied what they did in that first like 20 minutes in the Scotland game where they went to that 19-0 lead and just said when we decide to turn it on to level five, there's maybe one or two teams that can keep up with us. And then the artist's four favorite player, Greg Aldred. I mean, as I said, I think his part in crime, François Crowe with um, coming back, you know, matching scrum caps, they're just causing havoc. I think, I mean, he didn't play in November, which I think is a big thing that maybe, you know, especially South fans maybe don't see, but he is the key for that France team. He gets the rugby ball going He's the one that is first in the racks to secure it. He's the first to get to the defensive racks and, and cause disruptions. And he's great with the counter rack. I mean, I think he's, there's a lot of Siakonisi and, and Francois Crow. And yeah. I think there's 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 a reason why the team looks a lot better when he plays. And Aldred pretty much had his first great game in a bit because he's been looking a bit tired, I think, in the last few games. And it's no coincidence that Crow was playing um, on Saturday. And then the backline, Thomas Ramos has just been brilliant. I mean, ever since Nick Mallett said he can only kick um, for <laughs> polls, he's just been absolutely fantastic.
1: He's basically put on a show. Like it's almost like he's, he, has a, he has a clip on on, on on speed dance, Just plays it over and over, <laughs> and, over and over. The funny thing is, I mean, I, I've always been a Thomas Ramos car because you, you never knew what you're going to get from him. That, that, that's just be terrible. Yeah. Like, you just, you never knew which Thomas Ramos, Thomas Ramos was, was, was going to rock it. Like you, and and then like, you know sometimes like when you're watching rugby, I mean, there's, there's certain guys I, love, I love watching like in a pub because I like to pick up the vibe. And like, you know, like you get those opinions. You're like, this guy's probably doesn't watch rugby. So Ramos turned up to, like, to kick his first kick and he's like, oof, this Ramos guy, I don't back him with the boot. I was like, is this the first French <laughs> game you've ever
0: watched? <laughs> <laughs> like, I was like, did Dinkman pay you to be here? Like, <laughs> I think so. so no, he watched that one um what he what was it called? Was that Shoko Master Plan? he watched that one episode of Master Plan and he was like, nah, he's not it. <laughs> but let's turn it over to the English side and there's so many things to be said here. But I think let's just talk at least about the performance first. And yeah, that was desperate. I think you can't I mean it's one thing to be beaten by 50 points. I think that can happen. It can even happen to good teams where just one team is just on fire. But I think it was just the nature of the of the defeat. There was nothing in which England really got any ascendancy on, except for like maybe a five-minute period. They were just blown away in the rucks. And I think that's where they lost the game is in the rucks. England just had no plan and no crew and how to stop the French. Jonathan Dante, who I think we probably didn't mention enough now, he had a brilliant game and he was causing turnovers left, right, and centre. And they were just not able to keep the ball. And then that old Eddie Jones England issue of conceding penalties came back to bite them in a big way on Saturday. And they just never could get any momentum in the game. And then added to that, to seem like their defence is just in tatters right now. Um, Cooks, I don't even know where you can start with the issues that England has. She's Toller. I mean, you're. Rugby basically is an issue for them. That's 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 the problem.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like, you know what it is? Like I, I, I genuinely, genuinely feel bad for Steve Walter. I, I I do. It's like uh, there's so much he has to fix. And the World Cup is in September because like, you, uh, like tell her, I think stage, stage six load shedding takes is is faster than Check one pro, when, when Porfir trying to care Iraq. My goodness. I was like, oh, what no is way. going on here? Yeah. Like, it's at one where, like, the ball gets, where you look away for suddenly, someone bumps you, you like, is this guy still passing the ball? Like, like But, yeah, I think, I think number one, they got bullied. They just got bullied. The pack seemed very light. Um, they, could, they got no ascendancy, had line out time. Um, I tweeted during the game, I, I don't know what England's trying to do on attack. Um, did Ollie Lawrence play? Or well, they play I, I didn't like uh, there's, there's some guys there, like I remember I saw a torture pop up at like in the fortieth minute. I was like, Is my man is my man's playing? Like like what's like, and like you said, the defence in tatters. The defense has been tatters for a while actually. I mean even November they they weren't defending well. But like now, they just—they seem like to be—they're able to be ripped to shreds at all. At um, I, I don't know what they're trying to do in attack because there's been such big changes in the game. Like in, in the attack, first was Smith and Farrell didn't work. Farrell and Lawrence and Slade, and then uh, Farrell gets dropped. Then it's Smith to start, and then and then Slade is taken off. Now it's now it's like, what are we? What like what what are they trying to do? Um but yeah, I think I think the the biggest thing for England is the gap between them and France and Ireland is is vast right now. Um I do I, I do hope England does find some sort of resolve because I think I wouldn't be surprised if it does get messy in Dublin this weekend as well against against the Irish. Because the Ireland will be pumped up. St. Patrick's Day, like paying Ireland on St. Patrick's Day when there's a grand slam. On the line as well. That's the last thing I would, I would like to do. I, I, I don't think any other uh, the Irish are planning to run Guinness for any of their fans this weekend. They're going to be wanting to put in a show. I think Ireland's what France did, they're like, we, 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 they, Ireland, like, we, you saw what we did to France and we, we want to give England some hands as well. So, yeah, it's tough. I mean, some players they just got exposed, hello, man, like poor Alex Brandt like Jack von Portfleet. I mean, Jared mentioned like we, this could be like Henry Slade's last test. A uh, poor Lewis Ludlam, who I do rate, but just, just when you're watching, gets cross to launch. I mean, cross Aldridge and Oliver, and, and you're watching. I'm like, guys, this is the the, 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 the difference, the gap in cross in terms of quality. It, it's, it's vast. I'm like, it scared me for for England. I was like, I, I'm genuinely worried. Like, what what, what are they gonna do? That <laughs> is a starter, Genj, George, Itoje, and like, you look at the backline, line, look, like, oh, I, I wonder which direction Steve Bollison will go this weekend in terms of picking the side. I, oh, like, oof, I, 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 like I'm all legit worried for a stage.
0: And yeah, I think, I've been trying to think about this. I think the England issue, oh, there's many England issues, but I think it can summarize to one of, a few things. One. The Premiership just isn't as good as I think England fans think it might be, or other people might think it might be, because it just doesn't seem to be producing these test match ready players. Like, at least if they're not coming from, maybe with the exception of Saracens, I don't think the players that have been coming out have been really like stepping into the England level. Like, it's been a while now, I think, except with the exception of like the likes of like Freddie Stewart, who's just amazing. It's been a while since an England player came in. To the England team and he showed he belongs at this level and then the second thing is it's just a bit muddled with what they're trying to play I mean you've got the Leicester coaching team but the attack coach is from Harlequins and your flyoff is from Harlequins and you're playing with the Leicester scrum half is more of a sort of a structure scrum half and you're in your loose trio you've got the, the Harlequins eight who's obviously a bit more of a player out wide and you choose Marcus Smith in the one game where it's raining in Twickenham against a big um, French team. And yeah, it just seems like it's too much going on. Like, I think it would be actually be better served, more would be better served actually either just backing his Leicester people and just being like, look, I'm just going to pick my Leicester team and then add in an Atoje here and maybe a Farrell then, all that sort of stuff. Or maybe even just follow the Sar- Saracens model. Or, you know, th- this try to mash everything together. I think this is why it, it sounds, it feels so muddled at times because you see some players don't know when they should be entering rucks or not, which means like phases go by and by and then there's no one there or there's no one that thinks, oh, I should maybe follow this person again to a ruck and try to secure a quick ball. And then sometimes people are there to secure the quick ball and then Jack von Paulflitter is like, nah, let me take my time to see how to get this box kick. You know what, And I don't even mind Jack Van Porfleck taking his time with the box kicks, but your boxing has to be good, my brother, after that. Like, those box kicks were so bad most of the time. I was like, you can't be taking all your time and then just doing that. And yeah, I do feel sorry for Borthwick because I don't know where you go with this. And I feel so sorry for Marcus Smith because I don't even think he had a bad game at all.
1: Nah, it's just dude, that Diesel. he's
0: not really been set up for success here.
1: It's probably going to was set up to fail. Like, I was like, the, like you said, his reigning. It's, it's nothing against Jonathan Dantes, basically. Yeah, it's against France, Dantes playing 12, they're in your channel and, and also he's, <laughs> it's Otto Lawrence next team at 12, Jack Bonfort put Van Porflit on his inside. There's no experience there, so, yeah, had, like, and I, I did feel bad, and a little bit like, I just feel bad for Marcus Smith, his wasn't the problem. Um, yeah, just like you said, like, Steve Borthwick's got a very, very tough job because, like you said, it feels like 10 of the 15 guys, starting guys, you can be anyone at this moment. Like, if I'm Steve Borthwick, I'm, I'm, I'm asking um, Leicester, is there a clause in 100 Pollard's contract so he can play for, for, the, for England instead of not going back for the Springboks? <laughs> so I'm, I, I'm trying everything. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying everything at the
0: moment. It really was how many to 10 in the weekend I'm like what are you doing now it, it seems it seems like that's a serious conversation right now Cooks how many of the England team do you think they've got their place secured in that England 23 I'd say maybe 5 yeah you're right I'd Probably 5 but Luke Owen,
1: Dickey, Jamie George Genge Sinclair um, Farrell Sinclair some... I'm
0: not sure was... yeah, I, 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 I the scrummaging it... man
1: I know this comes in, especially also like with the way the the sort of game plan that both week plays. It doesn't of suit his running abilities as well. So Sinclair might miss out. But if I see Dan Cole one more time in the England jersey, then I, I don't know. <laughs> um, Farrell in some capacity, um, but think, then again, like the rest is uh, 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 the rest is yeah. I don't know. You're right. It's that's the that's the harsh thing.
0: Yeah, and what what does he do for Saturday? Like, I kind of am leaning towards just play the same team again and tell them this is your chance to save your England career, pretty much. Slade, Dombrandt, Van Fleet, you know, this is it. Make it or break it. If you don't make it, you're not going to be in the World Cup squad, pretty much. Like, unless there's like a thousand injuries, and this is sort of a redemption time because. I can't imagine playing a different ten of thirteen or eight and nine or whatever will, you know, will help matters here, especially, especially against Ireland, who are all about exploiting your weaknesses and exploiting teams that don't know what they're doing. Like especially like just how see how they like exploited Wales in the first game. And if you remember last year when, they, when Wales played Ireland in the first game last year and Josh Allen was playing at center and they'd said, Okay, we're running every section loop at you. So well, Ireland's not the t- team to try and find new combinations. So I'd say, actually, rather just play all the same people again and see if they can figure it out on Saturday.
1: 100%. And, like, yeah, just give them another week of the saddle. And because, okay, like, yeah, I think if you're in disarray, Alan's the last team if we, that you need to be playing. Like, that's the <laughs> very last team you need if you're in any sort of disarray. Ask Ian Foster, ask. Ask Alistair Kutsi <laughs> here. The, there's a list of coaches there. <laughs> and then I found the Rod the violin when you disarray.:
0: That's the last team you need to be playing. Yeah, I think it's it's quite clear that yeah, there's going to be a lot of issues. And oh, if if you if there's any dirt trackers listening, please um, um, ask Rugby Bits and just show us or like tell us which of the English rugby podcasts we should be listening to this week. I can't wait to listen to all these takes because... I was listening to a whole week of takes of Marcus Smith, the savior comes in, he's going to change everything, he's going to play this like attacking game and yeah, those obviously will fall in flat. Um, let's move to the Island Scotland game. So Island came up, came into Scotland and they won um, 22 points to seven, um, scoring three tries in the game. Scotland in the first half, it seemed like a very really competitive game, it was quite tight. to island, just is um edged at halftime at eight points to seven. But Cooks I have I, I I haven't watched the second time, but in the I only started watching from like the end of the first half. And imagine my surprise seeing that Josh Van der Fleer is throwing into the lineout. Um Ryan Baird is in at lock and Jack Conan is playing at eight. I'm like wait, do they have late changes to this team? Wait, why is chaos. Josh from the Flair playing? Is this is this a, is this a move? I was, was so chaos. confused. I, I googled quickly, like, is this the team that's supposed to play? And like, what's going on here? And yeah, I mean, we can talk about that, but geez, Island have shown a lot of, I mean, we'll talk about it with our guests later, but Island is showing those sort of qualities of, okay, we've seen this movie before and we've seen when. Teams look like they're going to win a rugby world cup. That they do these things in that year of the world cup. Hundred percent.
1: Tyler, I've, I've always said there's certain there's certain things I can I try and tell what makes a team great, and that like you know like you you know you get the cliches like they play well when they win when they're not playing well, but for me, any team that has the ability to win a game in twenty minutes is a highly quali- highly quality outfit. There was a 15- to 20-minute burst in the second half. The, the 20 minutes after halftime. Ireland killed that game. Scored, I think scored three tries and it just ended any hope that Scotland had. hand. Came out of the house on fire and I thought Scotland had a good first half and I thought, ooh, we could be onto something something here. But Ireland just chilled that. They were, they, they found weaknesses in the kicking game. They, Mac Handsome was ridiculous on the weekend. Just, again, created space out wide. Sexton was good. But Ireland's ability, and they've done this several times in the Six Nations, where they've been able to, they know when to kill a game off. They know when they have got to switch on to their third, well, fourth, fifth gear, how to kill a game off. They, they did it against France and second half, and the game was helter-skelter. In the second off, Ireland slowed that game down, boom, and closed it out. Against Wales was, was, that, was that, that burst in the first 20 minutes. But Ireland now, they almost, they know when to flip that switch. And for me, that, what makes them dangerous. They found they found different ways to win, and I know, like you know, I always hoping that that box came against Ireland, us as as box fans, gonna go. Like, yeah, yes, they were, TMO things that were missed, but I thought the box were good that day, and and had chances to win. Ireland went as good as they have been, and the box did put them under pressure, but Ireland still found a way to win it, and that says a lot about that side. And and, and this in this weekend against Scotland, the, the, they put together a twenty minute burst that just showed what a highly quality outfit they're on in the last 20 minutes they just closed the game off. game ended that they had a, a flank throwing in in the lineouts didn't lose a the lineout. they 16 <laughs> dominated the game Gips, uh, Gibson Park came on gave them a bit of a spark in that 20 minutes when they needed so I mean they lose ring rows and Henshaw comes off the bench like come on like what what are we doing here so like you said I think Scotland shouldn't be disheartened. It's like, it's just, I mean, you said this a lot. They're just not as good as Ireland. They're not in that elite tier. And that's, they, like, I thought Scotland was like this, was one of the best chance to beat the islands up, but they're just, they're just not that, they're not that elite. And unfortunately, there is that gap between England, Ireland, France, and the rest. And when Ireland put the, when Ireland turned it up, Scotland had zero, zero answer. And then, before she was Scotland, like you said, Tyler, once they get, once Scotland sort of, once they start throwing the ball around and Finn sort of panics, then like the mistakes creep in. Also, Stuart Hogg, I can't, I love Stuart Hogg, but, oh man, I don't know, people are calling you on fraud watch, brother. People are calling you out. <laughs> and you're not, know and you coming off in the 60 second minute is not, is not a good thing as well.
0: It's, 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 it's not a good thing. So we've been joined now by our special guest today who came in like a thief in the night because I thought he was going to come in a little bit later, but we've got, as he calls himself, niche YouTuber, and but I would like to say probably the best YouTube content producer for South African Rugby um, uh, right now, Rion Lowe, I think the vastly um, underrated but full value person that you can follow for. He does a weekly roundup of, of what's happening in the rugby world every week with his videos. They're probably one of the most entertaining five to 10 minutes that you'll spend during the week. And will obviously inform you about what's happening in the game as well. So Riano, thank you for for joining us in the Rugby Plus podcast. We are so excited to have this crossover event here.
2: Yeah, thanks, Tala. Uh, it's bigger than DC and Marvel, eh? It's, it's <laughs> great to join you guys. <laughs> um, uh, uh, thanks for the intro as well. I, I don't know about best, but I try. I try to at least be entertaining every week. That is goal number one on my videos.
0: No, you definitely achieved that. Uh, and and tell us about the rugby as well. So you do you do a good thing. Um, we will definitely talk about your first love, which is your your Lions, a bit later when we just broaden and talk about sort of the R C. But I think we were in the middle of a of our Six Nations recap, and we. We'd definitely like to hear your thoughts about the scotland vs. Island game. Island winning 22 points to five. A masterful performance. Um, we now know that Jos van der Flier play, played um, hooker for the Golden Lions in the Craven Week in 2012.
2: <laughs> so, Yeah, I remember seeing him in a, in a young Lions game before a big match in Super Rugby. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But um, Ryan, just, yeah, like Ireland just are playing insane rugby at the moment and their ability to just problem solve when they have issues is just out of this world at the moment.
2: It's crazy. It's, it's like these guys have more time to practice than anyone else. Uh, when are you going <laughs> to tell Josh, okay, uh, today you're not flanking. We need you to be the line-out thrower today. When, when do they have this time? It, it, these guys have 25-hour days, I don't understand.
0: Yeah, it's the weirdest thing that now today we all find out that, oh no, Josh has been throwing into lineouts and practicing this for the last few weeks. Ken Healy sometimes scrums at hooker. Like, why was this a situation that you were planning for? Like, when, does, when do both of your hookers get injured in the game? Like, it's so crazy. Like, I think that's the solution. Yeah. They have like a 25-hour day. Like, when do you ever just have, you know, your flanker just being uh, just able to throw at 100% in the lineout?
2: It must be the, the Leinster job. They, they all, this is not an island side that only see each other when the Six Nations is on, you know. They all disguise uh. themselves in blue in the Irk, and then they can keep running their island patterns there. And then whenever they need it, they just bring it to the Six Nations. Um, and it's very effective. It's making everyone terrified of them in this World Cup.
0: Cooks, uh, I would like to, uh, let's think about which other Rugby players of like hidden talents, like maybe we know, maybe like Adi Sevier can kick for poles, like can kick like a forty meter kick when he's needed, or um, Malcolm Marx is able to, you know, execute the perfect box kick. Like I'm just now wondering what other untapped rugby potential that we haven't seen now.
1: I mean, Victor Matfield was a master of a chip and chase back in <laughs> back back in his day, so he, he, he must <laughs> yeah. he must have paved the he, he must have paved the way. But like, well. <laughs> But I mean, like, oh, I mean, obviously, Kwaka Smith is a utility player, not, not, not even a utility forward. I'm sure we've seen him obviously running around and causing all sorts of havoc. I still need a spin much to pick him on the wing just to, you know, just to like, give the fans what they want. Uh, Jacques, question is now, but we want to see Kwaka on the wing or at 10. When, when you're putting Ox at 10, like, we want to see these guys, let, let, them, let them, let the players cook. I mean, I still believe that uh, the, the, there's still a powerhouse wing in Siakulisi because we see the damage he does whenever he does get the ball on, oh, on the wing. Um, and I mean, he, I mean, he, at the sharks, he seems to be showing all his, all these skills. I mean, he was goose stepping a couple of months ago. So I, I don't know if he's applying to be, uh, a, a flank, I mean, a center when he, when he moves to racing Metro so he can partner up with Gail Fico. So I don't know if it's, that's his, that, that's his plan. Um, but, um, but I'd love to see, like you said, I think Kouakha is a big one, but I mean, Ryan's perfect. When do you have time to practice Josh van der throwing the line outs? Um, uh, well, to be fair, if the Springboks can find time to have three different kickers in a single match, we shouldn't be surprised. <laughs> that, um, <laughs> <laughs> got, 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 Maybe no, these coaches are all lying right when team.
2: they say they don't have enough time to train with the, the international
1: players. Yeah, 100%. Because so, I mean, like, if you say you're playing for a week, when it's like Josh, listen, let's uh, let, let you throw in for a bit. Akin, Healy, let's go and use Cameron hooker. Like, I mean, like what's going on here? Like, do you think they told, the, like, like that's the thing? Like, who came up with this idea, and and why are, are these guys so keen to do it? I mean, and also, Josh, funny Fear made me laugh. He, he's just a two ball, two ball dots. So I was like, I mean, that's what they do in South Africa: two ball dots all day. Like, and then you sort of <laughs> uh, uh, graduate to four ball and a six ball. That's the next game. We'll be doing that next game. (laughs) Back of the line And
0: and just on the Scotland side of things, and Cooks, I mean, you're our resident Scotland fan. Yeah, this is a very big indictment on Scotland as a team that they couldn't capitalize on, you know, not having a hooker. I can forgive the scrums because now you're scrumming as three props instead of three, like a prop and a hooker. So maybe, you know, a bit of leniency there, but what was, you know, Sam Skinner and, 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 and Cummings and then, or I think it was Gray and, and Skinner that were, that were in the locks there. What were they doing? Why couldn't they steal at least one of those balls from Van der de Like, And it wasn't even like um, Ireland were doing quick line outs or were not, they set up they waited. Josh Van de even did the hooker thing of, hey, they're coming into the line, they're not giving enough, enough space and all that sort of stuff. Like, you just need to out-jump the jumper. That's all you need to do. They're only throwing two. They did one or two four-balls, actually, which was quite nice. Like, why couldn't Scotland stop something that is a gift for pretty much any other big test side? Like, yeah, yo, you can't be a serious test side if you can't capitalize on something like that, surely. So, Cooks, this is your chance to defend Scotland.
1: To be fair, Taylor, Scotland couldn't even win their own line outs, So, Scotland their own, <laughs> own lineouts. <laughs> You you, you have no chance of stopping the other. I was like, I mean, like, Scotland's lineups was atrocious this weekend. I was like, that's like Scotland just always finds a way to lose big games. They just frustrate me. They make me a fool every single year on Twitter. Every time I back them, they find (laughs) another way to lose. Lineups have been great the whole tournament. Chance to beat Ireland, lineout falls apart. Finn Russell's amazing. Chance to do, they have three good games falls apart. I can't remember who that, that flank was that decided to become Tom Brady and throw the ball 55 metres forward. And I was like, what are we doing here? Scotland just always <laughs> finds... I, I think Scotland is allergic to prosperity. They don't want good times. They don't want their fans <laughs> to be happy. They want their fans to have a minimal amount of joy. Because I'm like, guys, why... If Think about this. If they win that game at home, they play Italy. The next week, and it's the best chance of winning the five, the five nations, the six nations. It's <laughs> they, what do they do? Fall apart. I'm just like, oh. Scotland is like, oh, it just, it just frustrates me how they don't, want to, they don't want prosperity. They don't want good things to happen. And I'm like, this is the perfect opportunity for them to win the six nations, and they won't do it. But anyway. I'm gonna have the same rent next Jane, year. I can feel the pain in your voice, there, Cooks. <laughs> it's Ryan, yeah, It's like it's this and Australian rugby, the things that piss me off the most in the world. These are <laughs> the two things that make me not want to watch rugby because Scotland doesn't want to doesn't want doesn't want to be better. Australia wants to play rugby on a Thursday. Just rugby's <laughs> not, not the same anymore. It's just frustrating, and I I don't know what I'm gonna do. I just think for Russell has to become a club player, so I'm just focused on Scotland anymore. They can go back to Chris Patterson. It's back to the old days where they're just coming coming fifth and sixth in the in the six in the, in the six Nations. But oh, Tyler, like you can't not win a single lineout against a third choice hook, not even a hooker. A flanker who who manages to play hooker and you know win a single lineout. Oh, Scotland will always find a way. They'll probably lose to Italy next weekend. Watch watch them lose to Italy this weekend just just, just for bats. Uh,
0: I uh, definitely man. think they're losing to Italy this weekend. I just have a feeling that this whole like dream run and people feeling good about Scotland that I've never seen so many Scotland accounts and they always talk about Hugh Jones and Finn Russell or it's going to be very quiet on Saturday when they lose to Italy. I can see it. <laughs>
1: I can 100% see it happening.
2: Ruzza is like the best line out taker in the competition. So if the, if the Scottish was struggling against a third choice flanker throwing in, I don't see how they're going to jump against the Italian line out. They were they were already losing there.
1: No, no, Ryan watch what, what 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 Scotland would do, they're gonna be fantastic in the lineups this weekend. They're gonna be top top the best you've ever <laughs> yeah. seen. But then now they can't <laughs> kick now. Or Hugh Jones can't run can't make line breaks. Like they're gonna find another way to lose. That's the problem. They fix one issue and another one creeps up. Like it's like trying to fix like a like a pipe, and this pipe is never gonna manage to get fixed. I d I I don't know what to, I don't know what they need anymore.
0: Yeah, and I mean, there's been a few injuries that happened on Saturday. It seems like Hogg and Russell are possibly doubtful this weekend. So it's time for everyone's favorite fly half, Ray Torf to come back, Mr. Blake Kinghorn to play at 10. So I'm sure that will make Cooks very happy um, to watch on Saturday.
2: What What game are they playing? Are they playing the first game on Saturday, right?
0: I think so, yeah.
2: Yeah, so you can get the, the anger and the, and the frustration out of the way, nice and early, watching Mr. <laughs> King Blayhorn, as some people call him, um, just absolutely lose the ball deep behind the advantage line all day long, and missing <laughs> short pops to, to see to Pilatu, because uh, they haven't played together the whole, the whole uh, competition. Uh, I just hope that they can see now, okay, we have a good starting 15, we need a bench. And yes. uh, they've got Dupria now, who's playing for for uh, he's playing for Glasgow, I think. So that's another South African lock. That's what they need. They just need to start combing the South African schools for locks to try and try and just shore up that lineout because that's where they always lose the game is at lineouts against big teams. They did it against us a few years ago when we were playing there, and now again against Ireland. Just that lineout is such a big Achilles heel for them.
0: Yeah, I think and the the interesting thing for Scotland is going forward is, yeah, I think you're right in saying that. I think the the the, the first choice 15 can give any of the big teams a, a game at the very least, and they can sort of compete. They've got a solid enough scrum, you know, Skumann or Schumann, as they say, and Fe- Ferguson can 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 hold their own there. Their lineout is at least, you know, decent if not good. Um, they've got sort of the tight, loose battle. They can make their hits in defense. Their defense is usually quite tight. And then obviously we know how good their attack is. But yeah, like you bring on the, the, the substitutes, especially that front row, sub, those front row subs. Like they clearly need more South Africans to try and fortify that. And they clearly need to, you know, just get that quality. It's like Scotland probably needs to be one of those teams that has a fast start and tries to get like a 10, 15 point lead and then try to hold on with their bench coming on at the, in, the, in the last 20 minutes. And anyway, yeah, I mean, obviously it's quite, it is difficult for them to get like all this depth only having two professional sides. But I think just to focus on positives, I mean, again, just another great game from the um combination. And Oof, it's just scary just seeing um, Sione um, coming on with the ball and just seeing Hugh Jones on the shoulder because you just know there's a line break coming with that.
2: It's beautiful. Like the whole the whole Six Nations, they've they've done this thing where they don't really go up the middle first. They do maybe a couple carries with with Jack Dempsey, the man who's a ball of anger himself. Then they very quickly go wide to Duan or to, to Stain. And they never go to them thinking that they're gonna score a try. It's always just to get meters. That's all they want. They did it against Ireland, um, down whose side was it? I think Mac Hanson's side, all game. Um, they would send a, a big winger down that wing and they would step inside. Then you'd have a fast back rower like Jamie Ritchie there to clean up. And then uh, Russell has nice clean ball and he can just decide what to do. Am I going to give it to Sione? Who's then going to do either a nice hard carry or a lot, soft little pop to Jones. Am I going to skip Sione behind him to Jones? It's just a beautiful thing to watch when, when these guys put their faces together. Um, the way they attack wide and then come back inside, and then you just have Russell with all the time in the world to to either kick pass or run himself. Um, there's no team I like to watch more than them right now.
0: And just the ability to get quick ball. And I think in the first half, I think Ireland were trying to go like toe for toe for them, and it just wasn't really working out because that quick frantic game plan, that wasn't that was where Scotland was having a bit of a chance there. But then in the second half, Island was just like, okay, we're not going to give them quick ball anymore. And I think that's when yeah. um, Mac Hansen, who had, I think, a brilliant game, was just like, okay, I'm just going to turn everything over now. I'm just going to turn into David <laughs> Pocock and just make sure I get every steal from Iraq.
2: Again, one of those 25 hour practices. Okay, wingers, you're, your flank is now. <laughs> you're, you're
1: <open> <laughs> I think he stole about three in about like five minutes. I was like, geez, Scotland, like maybe let's clean that wide if we had it. Yeah. <laughs>
0: No, and like, I think, oh, and this is what I love about Ireland, their wings are not just wings, they're playmakers, they're, they're you know, obviously, James Lowe is the chief of their kicking, like Hansen, the way that he put away Conan for that try, like, they have all the skills in the world, and they're not, you know, wingers that just stay at the side, they are key to the to the game plan. So, yeah, you know, Hansen's performance was just crazy, and I can... I can totally understand Australians being super unhappy that he's not part of their of their teams anymore. And James Lowe, just that left boot, mm. it's an absolute weapon of mass destruction.
2: Yeah, you know, it is a thing to to, to marvel at. We, he's a problem. You need to figure out that guy.
1: <laughs> the last f- nice thing I must say with Andy Farrell, what he has gotten right with James Lowe, I felt under, under Joe Schmidt, he, he sort of didn't use the full range of James Lowe's skills. They just sort of left him out wide, played him as almost as a true winger where James Lowe, I mean, I've also seen him in Super Rugby week in, week out, where he just pop out, pop, pop, pop out everywhere, just almost coming as a 10, coming as a second fullback. And Andy Farrell sort of unlocked that. And and, and, and he's found like a like-for-like like winger on the side of Mac who sort of plays the same role. Because the number of times you see James Lowe coming in first receiver and... And the same side of McHanson's on, so sort of, they've got free He takes up the playmaking role, the pressure off Johnny Sexton. And I think it's And you, you can see the difference when one of them on play in the way, in, in the way Ireland attacks. But I mean, James Lowe, I mean, for us, super Rugby fans, we know this is the James Lowe that we used to see the cheese all the time. And now he's just been given a little bit more structure. To, to, create that, to, create, to create that chaos and obviously that lift, which is an absolute cheat code at the moment.
0: Yeah, and I think it's just the, the ability of them to continue their game plan. And I think that was what impressed me about Ireland the most, that I would expect that a team that doesn't have probably the best player in the tournament, to like Caelan Doris, doesn't have their two hookers, loses an experienced lock like Ian Henderson and plays now a rookie at lock, has their flanker throwing into the lineout, has a prop in their scrum, and then they lose Gary Ringrose near the end with the, with, the, with the concussion as well, that they would go to like a much more of a conservative game plan and sort of kick for territory and, and all that sort of stuff. But Island just said, no, we're still going to play our pattern. And that was just what was amazing about it yesterday, that they could just keep maintaining that standard that they've, that they've been keeping for the last few years. And it's also clear, just seeing how Island was celebrating some things um, during the game, that they really wanted this win. They really wanted to make a statement in Murrayfield and they, I don't know if it's, yeah, I mean, I can't keep up with which team hates which team in the Six Nations. I just assume they all hate each other. But <laughs> it's clear that Ireland really want to rub it into Scotland because there's a lot of hooting and hollering during like calls. Like, I think Tupelo had a big shout in like, I think Ringrose's face um, for Hugh Jones's try and they were ready to give it back to him um, when I think or low scored in the corner. So, there's a lot of that feeling in the game, but it's just amazing how good Ireland can keep their standards during the game. And Brian, I think it is in that sort of 24 or five hour, you know, practice that they have, but they're able to just maintain a level of performance that other teams, you know, are going to struggle to keep up with.
2: Yeah. Like you said, they, they problem solvers. Um, they get given a they get presented a problem and, and they figure out a way around it. Uh, it, last year we saw that first test against new zealand they got hammered they were given this that problem and in the next test they solved it so easily okay aaron smith is passing to the third guy on the pod uh we'll smash that guy um and in this game we lost uh two hookers we're scrumming with three props and they just figured out how to how to work around it um i don't know what it is it must be they are all exactly as experienced as you need to be they've all been in They've they've got a very good shield in the U- URC, so they're all constantly um, playing against very good teams as well. Now with South African teams coming in as well, they've been given a bit more exposure to a very physical type of rugby as well. And I think that's also helped a lot. They've realized guys like Ian Henderson and James Ryan, they need to be a bit harder. Ryan was almost turning into a bit of a, I don't know, uh, I don't want to make it sound bad, but like a Victor Matfield type of player. and this year, he's a bruiser. He, he's he been a lot harder. Uh, I always thought Kalen Doris was also a bit light, but that man has been smashing people to bits. Jack Conan as well. And then you still have guys like um the monster, number eight. What's his name? Um,
0: um, Coombs, Gavin Coombs.
2: Yeah, yeah, he's not even getting a look in. And that guy's scoring hat-tricks for fun in the USC. So the depth is there, the experience is there, and now being exposed to South African teams with monsters in it, they are even expanding their, their toolkits and, and being able to turn their game into what they need to for the situation. It's, it's all very impressive and scary.
0: Cooks, I think the main question of this podcast and probably the title of it is, should South Africa be scared of Ireland and France and Scotland? But let's focus on Ireland. Should South African fans be scared of Ireland right now?
1: Yes. Yes, and 100%. Yes. You know, like. You look at Twitter, for example. When, I mean, most rugby fans in South Africa it's split between the, the guys who go oh, island orders tends to fall apart come World Cup time. And others go, and the other side are like, yeah, but we, we need to be afraid of Ireland. I am a... I, just, I mean, obviously the box sort of threw out the whole thing about consistency leading up to a World Cup win by coming in in 2018. But there was some sort of consistency. They, they were able to pull some sort of results and 2018, 2019, and so that's led totally them to win. I can't, it's hard for me to say the box who've won 60% of the games the last two years shouldn't be afraid of a side that's operating at about 80% win rate. And they beat us as well. And we are got to play them again in the pool stages. And, and they're favourites to do so at the moment. I, I, I feel like Ireland is a very settled group at the moment. They know the way they want to play. They have depth. They have... I mean, they have depth, there's trust in the combination, they're playing a really good brand of rugby and they are confident. And you can see that everything they're doing is leading up to a World Cup. It's not like in 2019 when they peaked 2018 and by the time in 2019 they started to dip, you could see them starting to sort of fade off. The moment now they're only getting better. They're a better side than they were in November last year and they're a better side than they were in July. And Every questions they've been asked since they started getting on sort the of form, they've answered. And for them now, if they get a grand slam, the box ticked. Cause last year they didn't get a grand. Last year they didn't win the six nations. Now they said they're going a grand slam. So they've improved from a year ago, which is what good sides do. The sides that tend to win the World Cup. That's what they tend to do. I mean, all, I mean, for example, the Springboks won the rugby championship leading up to leading to the World Cup and broke that sort of voodoo. Whereas Ireland is sort of doing the same thing where they're getting better as they lead up to the World Cup. I wouldn't be surprised that in the warm-up games they'll, they'll sort of you see, you see a, a gradual improvement. Le- Leinster, for example, has gotten better each year. So I think we need to be very, very scared of Ireland. I don't think Ireland fears the All Blacks or France in playing them in the quarterfinal. I don't. They, they. I mean, they beat the orders for fun now these days. I mean, they might even ask the game you played in Chicago just for for good times, um but I just genuinely don't think Ireland, Ireland for them the box obviously a big worry. But I think Ireland feels like they can beat France. Then they feel, and they know they can beat the All Blacks. So and I think as as as, as box fans, for example, in a different stages, I fear us against the All Blacks in the quarterfinal, and um, I'm I, I'm scared of France as well. Whereas if I'm Ireland, for example, Ireland probably feels like. Out of those three teams, they probably feel like they they are the best ones out of Ireland, out of the Springboks, Wales and New Zealand. I mean Wales Jeepers. <laughs> in, in France, in France, the All Blacks and the Spring Box.
0: Ryan, yeah, I think just to turn that question to you, like, yeah. Also, what do you think Ireland does while that would give the box like issues um in, in their game plan?
2: Well, yeah, I think the box should be scared of Ireland as well. If Johnny Sexton is there, um, what they do well is, is they've got a master coach on the field with him. I don't know. Uh, he, he. we haven't really played them without Johnny Sexton there as far as I can remember in recent memory, um, as, at least not when they beat us last year. He is so important. I think he's hard to rattle, which is what we often try to do with, with Peter Steff or or quaha if, if Peter Steph's not there. They go after the 10 to try and Soak up his space and and make the backline moves fall apart. If he's there, um, I do fear them a lot. Uh, Ross Byrne, um, he's I think easier to rattle if he's there. So that's the thing. They need to keep Johnny safe, keeping him, him in cotton wool, and um, and you're a for away. But if if he's not there, I think the box have a much probably uh, almost a fifty percent increase in in beating them. What they do well. Uh, it's just their rucks. They protect their ball. These guys can play phase after phase after phase and break you down. And the, I think the Bok defense is very good at the first few phases. But if you can keep the ball for lengthy periods of time, our rush defense, our guys start getting tired. We, we lose alignment and, and you can't get in behind us. So uh, we need to make sure that either Johnny Sexton trips and, and stubs his toe and he can't make the game and then we need to disrupt the ball at the ruck, which means we not need to go after guys like Josh, Josh van der Fleer Kalen Doris, Peter Peter we we need to get them out of the game so that the ball is slow and they can't get their their phases together then i think we have a chance and i think they know that we are probably the best team at doing that
1: thing with yeah, the thing with Sexton is um is is probably like concussed sometime soon. It's been a while since he had a concussion. I mean he's he's always yeah. concussed yeah. or or well or if or he's in Italy hiding again from so he to play against um the Italians or but he has to choose he, he can
2: win a he can win a Grand Slam and five stars on his jersey with Leinster or he can have a World Cup and none of the other things. You can't have all of that in one year. It's not Karma doesn't work
1: that way. 100%. I'm telling you now, if, if yeah. Johnny Sexton, if I'm if 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 I'm the the, the the RFU, he's playing this weekend and he's only playing um Champions Cup games. He's only playing five more rugby games until the end of the year. He's not playing any other games, he's not traveling ever again. The, the next time he gets an aeroplane is to go either to the Maldives with his family as to rest. Or to fly to France for the World Cup. <laughs> he's not playing. He's not coming to South Africa. South African fans, we're not going to see Johnny Sexton live this year. Don't... Never don't, again. He'll never come south <laughs> of the equator. There's not chance. No, 100%. He's never coming here. I saw the lines Lions. They've they, they got that whole the double-headed thing. I was like, yo, I might see Johnny Sexton. He's not coming, guys. You're <laughs> going to see the and Rossburn. Ross Byrne. Johnny Sexton's not coming. But also Johnny Sexton, teller is something we, we bring up on the pod. What Johnny Sexton does very well. He knows, how to, he knows how to annoy South Africans because he's always in the ref's ear, and there's nothing that rattles South Africans and the Supers of the Springboks than someone always in the ref's ear. It drives us crazy because we stand there and be like, mm-hmm. because we're good, we ra- we've been raised very well. Yes, sir, no, ma'am. So we stand there and be like, oh my word, this guy's complaining to the ref again. He's in the ref's ear. And it, it sort of always distracts us. Whereas Johnny Sexton, he's so good at rattling us in terms of just being in the ref's ear and just 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 being a dick, pretty much. And that's like something, for some reason, that always gets under the Springbok skin, also African fans' of skin. And then by the time we end up fighting Johnny Sexton, he's got the ref in his back pocket. And then, we, and then we sit there with like egg on our face and we're like, oh, the refs are against us again. And then we complain. Oh, geez, and then like... I like can't, can't oh yeah. go <laughs> <laughs> that. You can't go on Twitter. So I'm just saying like that's... <laughs> Johnny Assistant is very good at getting under the skin of, of, of teams and especially us South Africans because we get triggered very quickly when Oaks when, when are very good at, at, at manipulating referees.
0: Yeah, I think we yeah we know what the plan is for Ireland. Um, number one, it's so sweet that the Bulls and the Lions advertise Josh van der Fleer coming back to South Africa. Like, that's not that. happening.
2: That's not a mistake. <laughs> that was the purpose.
1: The return of the... <laughs>
0: It was definitely intentional. I, I, I'm actually <laughs> low key thinking that they think he's South African as well.
2: You can just if he ever comes here, you'll know the stadium announced will be like indoors. George van der Flier, Boer and Joburg, <laughs> one of
0: our own. That is definitely happening, but yeah, mm. I, he is not coming for the double header, but. Yeah, I think it's quite clear what Ireland has to do now. I mean, all the Leinster players don't have to move out of Dublin until the end of the domestic season. All of their knockout games will be in Dublin if they win everything because the finals in Dublin. And they're top of the URC table, so they don't have to get out of um, the... They literally don't have to get out of the city until June. So I think they're going to be well-rested. I think talking about sort of the island springbok matchup i mean the first thing to note is as the springbok showed us in 2019 no one has to actually win that game and the, the the actual pool game because as long as you beat scotland you're you're pretty much fine you'll qualify and it doesn't i mean facing france or facing the all blacks i think at least for the for south africa is pretty much two of the same devils like i, I don't think there's one that you prefer over the other I think for Ireland, it might matter more because if they can maybe, if New Zealand lose to France and they could, then they'll be the second place team. I'm sure Ireland would be very much preferring to play New Zealand in the quarterfinal than playing France at home. So at least you don't have to win that game. So I don't think there's much consequence to the pool game itself, but there's all likelihood that, you know, if both these teams do well and they do the things and they're able to defeat France and New Zealand in the quarterfinal, that they can meet in the in the final. And yeah, I think. It's going to be interesting how this World Cup turns out because I think it'll be a, a little bit like Hunger Games of this one takes this team out and then another team takes them out because they're so tired from facing this team and we have this like weird final of like England versus France and it ends in like 60 points to nil or something like that. Like You can definitely see that happening, especially with that draw. But the second thing is, which has been underrated development for Ireland, is they've become a lot better with their forward pack. Like they're no longer as scared of big forward packs anymore. But I think that's probably the one thing that the Bucs need to do is really slow down their ball in the Rucks and just coming at them with size and physicality. Because it does seem like Ireland still has a bit of a weak spot. I think it seems like the name just saying the name War Skelton just makes them shudder a little bit. So I would I think it's just about big boys just being sent down, you know, the the trams and just trying to just run at you know, Irish defenses the whole time and just making them make t- make tackles and make and make defensive hits because maybe you need to keep the ball against Ireland to make them um, play in defense a lot more than they do. But I think you'll have to rely on those two things. But if Ireland's, you know, improvements continue with the forwards, you know, they've been able to do quite well without type furlong in the last few games and Dan Sheehan has been in and out and um, Todd, Todd Byrne has also been out, if they're able to keep on that level, um, you know, if playing the likes of Bilem and, and Kelleher and Henderson and Ryan Baird and all those, and the, all those sort of players, are they are able to keep that level? Um, yes, South Africa might be a better pack, but I don't think that advantage would be that high. And it just seems like the main thing for both Ireland and France is whoever beats them or wants to beat them in the World Cup, they have to play their best game. You can't play a... 80, 90% game in order to beat them. You have to be on it at every aspect of your game. And I think that's the big difference between Islands of Africa right now New Zealand and spring box Because I think with the boxer in New Zealand, you can afford to be maybe a little bit off your game to beat them because boxer New Zealand just haven't really been as accurate with, you know, making sure that they limit the mistakes and they force mistakes on you and they keep their side of the, the ledger clean. So yeah, I, I I think it is something to be worried about. And I think bug fans that think, no, there's the old island, they'll just choke. They might lose, but it won't be because they choked. I think the team that beats Ireland or France in the World Cup will have to play their best game in the World Cup. And I don't know if they'll have enough in the tank after that to try and beat yeah. other teams um, going forward. Yeah, Ryan, I mean, that's, I think, the big um, issue with this draw is that there will be two teams that come out of that for some. Maybe Scotland can also be included in that. But those two teams will be knackered <laughs> going into yeah. a semi final against, you know, the Warren Gatland All Stars or the Eddie Jones <laughs> Australian team or whatever you want to call it.
2: It's the, Are they going to be um, tired or, or battle hardened? There's that as well. They could be coming out I guess as absolute glad here. You could try and look at it glass half full, but. It is gonna be like playing they always say what you you need to win uh what's it three very tough games in a row to win a world cup, and I think this one is gonna be more like five very tough games in a row to win mm. a world cup. It's not gonna be the same as before maybe maybe we should just take a massive squad instead of is there a squad limit, a squad size limit for these <laughs> tournaments. <laughs> You just take three teams instead of just two, just to, to refresh your players <laughs> so, so that you can get into these knockout stages. I can't see us. Um, maybe maybe we'll see us kind of throw a game on purpose um, against Ireland. They might even rest Sexton in the, in the pool game just to mm. make sure that their main guys are ready and able to go when the big games come up. Uh, Maybe we'll put a big, strong team out against Scotland. We know we have the depth and the pack to beat them, beat them well, beat the other teams. And then against Ireland, you can just kind of say, oh, it doesn't matter if we beat you or not. We're still going to have to fight one of the best teams in the world in the quarterfinals. So like you said, um, there might be a little bit of tactics going on when, when these two teams meet in the pool stages and, and, we all know you don't have to win every game anymore. You can drop a game in the pools and, and win a World Cup. So I wouldn't be too worried in the pool stages as long as we do well against Scotland. We, we can't trip up against them.
1: I just think like this World Cup is going to be a World Cup where someone does... I think the gap in World Rugby is too small. And There's so many, so many teams who can win it. There will be a team that drops a game and wins the World Cup. I think for me, with the box. My, my biggest worry in the last couple, the last the three years is no one can beat the box on their day, and we've seen them on their day. They are phenomenal, but they always have these ticky tack losses where we just just we're just just don't honour that week, and I, I just don't want that to happen. Like, for so we beat Ireland, beat Scotland, we we get through Tonga and all. We'll, and then it come the, the semifinals that that one game too many where, like we've had that where we'll be, we beat the Lions, sweep to Argentina, and then we go lose to the Wallabies, and yeah, you know, but like we always have these <laughs> performances. Sometimes where we just like all our gigs, they're kicking yeah, yips
2: what, in the wrong game or something like that. Yeah, hundred percent.
1: Right? It's like and, and and that's and and I remember I said that I said it to a mate of mine on the box, and he's like, he shouted at me, and I'm like, man, I'm just I'm just looking at what we've seen. I'm not saying the box aren't great. I'm just saying. Uh, they they'd get, they'd have that game in them and, and most teams do, but the, the box tends to come out. I just don't want that game to come out at the worst possible time. That's 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 my biggest fear is because, I mean, I, I think for me, I I, I feel if we get the semi-final, if, if we get to the quarterfinal, I feel like we're going back to back. That's for me is the crew stages and the quarterfinals is our biggest hurdle. And then from there, I think we, we, I'm, I'm, if I see the box is semi-final, Oh, like I'm ready to light the candles uh, and, and pop the champagne. <laughs> mm-hmm. that's, 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 that's that's my take on the thing. My very early take in March before the box have even named their first squad.
0: And then, Cooks, <laughs> just on that, I mean, France will likely to face them in the knockout, so either in the quarterfinal or possibly in the final. Can the Springboks beat France in Stade France? Packed Stade France, obviously partisan as possible. One or two French TV directors making sure that certain angles of things are not there.
1: I was going to ask that. Who would be there? That? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's going to be, that's, that's, it's oh, going to be a cracker because I think France sort of do look like a, they built to beat the Springboks in a, in a way in terms of they they depth and their pack. They, they, they're willing to go, uh, for example, they were, they, they're happy to go six two split for six two split. Um, I think they, France sort of back themselves more in terms of, of, of trying to boot them up front. France are France are willing to sort of kick, to kick us and kick as much as the Springboks do, and, and willing to play the patient game. But they know they've obviously got the ability to turn it on when when needs be. So it's it's gonna be it's gonna be tight. But it's I would still this is my oldest take. I, I would still rather play the French than the All Blacks. I'd never want to see the All Blacks for Spring in a one off game. The All Blacks can lose 10 in a row. I still do not want to see them play the Spring in a one off game. They know how to beat us. They know how. I always feel they're the only team that knows how to get around us with their attack and our defense if they're playing really well. I just don't want us to play the All Blacks. I just, I I still hate the fact that in most big games, they find a way to beat us. That's been the tale since Russia and. Shock has taken over. The All Blacks have won the bigger games. Last year, they won at Ellis Park, where we thought would dominate. They, want to know us, they won the 100th test. They won the, the last test in the World Cup when you play them. So they, in the biggest games, they they, they seem to find a way to put the Springboks.
0: Yeah, and I think the... Yeah, we're not even putting New Zealand into this conversation, but I think you're right, Cooks, that they have that knowledge and know-how of like, yo, we know how to beat the Springboks. We can just get around them. Like, other teams are concerned about, like, fronting up to us physically. New Zealand are like, Barrett, do something. And back <laughs> can get you two or three tries. Ryan, yeah. I think just... Take it to the sideline.
1: It doesn't, line, he doesn't work his will his will be against us.
0: <laughs> like, just... <Yeah.
2: laughs> I look like fools against everyone else. And then against us, yo. They just turn it <laughs> on. I don't understand it.
1: It makes no sense. Like, whenever they try to do that whole, like, just... Just throw out wide and see what happens against like, Ireland. They look like they look like fools, and against like, it magically works. And you're like, what's going mm-hmm. on here? Like, it's it's it, it,
0: it's weird. Yeah, And then just on the French um, aspect of it, like Antoine Dupont must be giving other coaches sleepless nights because I don't even think he's been like as brilliant as ever in the Six Nations. But he'll just be able to just use one of his you know, bazooka feet and just, you know, kick you 60 meters into your own territory or just at the right moment be able to find the break or little half gap in order to create a line break for the team. Like, I th- yeah, I mean, you know, there's all, they're all competitive, they're all com- like um, contenders in South Africa for best play in the world right now, but I, I, I can't see past Antoine Dupont as the best player in the world right now.
2: Uh, I feel honored to watch this guy play. He is. Uh, um, we're lucky to see this guy at his. And what is he now? 25. So he's not even fully matured yet. There is no more dangerous place in the world to defend than a, against Antoine Griezmann close to the rack. The man is unstoppable. I, I, I don't understand what England were doing, standing off the ruck all game this weekend, because that's what Antoine lives for. He he, he steps at your your pillar defender. They try and tackle him. And then the next moment he's around them or floating to Olivon or Aldrit, who's always there. And then they down the field, 60 meters away. Or like you say, if you are watching him, he kicks it downfield with any foot he wants. Even does the thing where he lines up, right. He sees the winger on the, on the left, uh, relax. And then he quickly switches to the left and kicks that way. Who does that? No one does that except this man. Um, I I, I've never seen anyone as good at rugby as this guy, A, a little flanker, with a with the weirdest pass, it's not a, even a nice looking pass that he's got, um, but it just gets out there. And he's always I, I saw saw England were even trying to cut off his support runners running lines, and England uh, and and France solved that. They just said, okay, you're going to be between um, Dupont and the offloader. We'll just put Aldrit or Olivon next to him or Flamain that that was um, running. Uh-huh. What's the name this weekend? It's it's insane. They, they know they can use him as the main player. The Mac just has to come along for the ride, not do anything silly. And, uh, their forward pack will just give him clean ball all day long. It is, it is very scary. I'm, I'm more scared of France than I am of Ireland. Actually, they are, they are like South Africa mixed with New Zealand. They've got the power and they've got the turnover game where they can just run downfield off any mistake that other team makes. Uh, they they are very scary for me.
0: And Cooks, I think just when you think, okay, maybe you've sorted to point, you've kept kept a lid on the forwards uh, on the forts in France. Maybe you're having an even battle between and Alendia against Dante and Fiku. Then Damien Pena is just going to come out of nowhere and do something absolutely ma- mental and and get seven points for you. A glorious <laughs> idiot.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like. I know just like I, I, I don't think Penny was playing for about 70 minutes of the game on the weekend against England. And he's like, oh, by the way, guys, time to put on a show for the last 10. Taking <laughs> selfies in the crowd. And- <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like there's still no Villiers, he, he's still got to come back. There's no Jalibe. Jamine is still on the bench. Um and also, like we mentioned, I mean, Nick Manlett said that Thomas Ramos is, can only kick, so that's also a factor gonna factor into the into the preparations now because our Thomas Ramos isn't take out the spring box. Oh, like, yeah, I know no, that that French side is, it's something, it's, it's something special. And uh, like you said, Anthony DuPont, yeah, he's a freak. He's in that, in that mold of just like, you know, that when you stopped Mac Hansen from scoring that trial and we just basically just like, I'm not, he just picked him up and dragged him back, like, I'm not going to let you score. I think what mm, DuPont yeah. wakes up every week is like, what magic can I create this week? What can, what can I do like this week, I mean like like I said to, in earlier in the pod, it reminds me a lot of like in the freakish levels of burden barrier because barrier barriers to wake up like I feel like this week I'm gonna show everybody how fast I am. And this week I'm gonna show everybody <laughs> that I can do cross kicks. And this week I'm gonna show everybody that I can offload. Like I'm just gonna just put in a show. I mean you're still waiting for him to kick the polls properly, but that he can't do everything. But um but hey, yeah, point hey. points a freak. Uh, and he it's did like kick for
0: just... poles in that um sudden death. Um Quarter final, lost 16 game against Munster, and he nailed all those kicks.
2: Walked away from them like walking away from yeah. an explosion.
1: <laughs> so calm. He's yeah. actually, actually, actually ridiculous. And also, talking about sudden death penalties, I feel like we need only one extra time and then bring the penalties out. Why are we we doing are this definitely sudden you losing death? if that happens. Bring out the penalty. Hawks
0: are losing that <laughs> game. Jason <laughs> <Church and> Colby <laughs> has to kick for us. Goodness <laughs> gracious.
2: Uh, what will happen is Colby and Faf and all of them will put their kicks over and then Pollard <laughs> will miss his. That's what will happen. <laughs> that would break me. Oof. Imagine Valil LaRue lining up to try and win us a, a penalty shootout. For oh his sake, goodness. I hope he gets it
1: over. Or like if Elton Yankees says yeah. okay, please. And would never be able I mean, to come back You're the home. last person in the world that should miss this right now. Like for your own <laughs> state or, or just don't come back to Africa. Just don't front. It's like reckless
2: endangerment. Okay, okay, Alton, you're sitting this one out. I can't put you through yet. <laughs> <there. laughs>
0: danger! Oh my goodness!
2: Like this won't end well. Don't for come you. back to
0: Africa, literally. Yeah.
2: yeah. Witness protection. Change your name. You're now living in Joburg. Uh, under a <laughs> new name. You're not Alton.
0: No, and like yeah, that would not work out for us. And then finally, on our other pool opponents, at least in the Six Nations, uh, from the Six Nations team, Scotland. I mean. Interesting, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's going to be an interesting game against Scotland, and they're our first game in the World Cup, and yeah, they especially in the last few years, they've been great in first games, especially because it's England, it's Calcutta Cup, um, but Scotland have definitely shown that they might not necessarily be at the level that the other two teams are at, but they can give us some issues, and yeah, we've talked about you below too, and I mean, yes, we have a, probably the best defensive uh, midfield in the world but they've done some havoc against really good defenses as well so ryan yeah what's the w- is the way for savica to beat scotland just to slow the game down and just make it a, an absolutely ugly forward battle so the people that are going to tune in on the 10th of september the game in marseille are, should they just expect that is going to make this as slow and as physical as possible
2: just kill their ball at the source kill the scrum kill the line out um if you can slow down their 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 launch pads, then they really get frustrated. it's you could see it this this past weekend. um Finn was he had no time, and balls were going behind the back, and a few times he was passing the ball to to to, to Pilatu, and there was already a defender basically on him and and Finn was like, yeah, you take it, see what you can do." Uh, and he got smashed every time. so I think take away their time and like you say, um slow down their ball, and I just don't think. They have the depth to to contain for for a full eighty minutes against us they I, I'm almost certain by sixty minutes their scrum will start folding and we can march up the field on the back of penalties and our line out is just too strong for them if if we can um, keep our discipline to keep them out of our twenty two and so that they, they can't do a strike move and then just make sure. We, we grind them down, as you say, take them to the trenches and make those forwards just feel the pain. Uh, we should be able to get past them. I, I haven't feared a, a Scotland pack yet. I've respected it. I've been admiring it for how hard it works, but they they hold no fear for me. They they need to be more mean and, and they just don't have the players for me
1: right now. Cooks? Yeah, I think it's it's... Similar, what, like what Rion said, I think with Ireland is dominate them by set piece because I, I I mean Ireland and Scotland, I think Scotland with the box, they'll, they'll even be even more helter skelter. They'll even be more that sort of the kamikaze rugby. They've been playing in the six nations and, then, and they'll look to speed the game up even more when they play the spring box and, and look. And I think, and, and, and Scotland is such a big momentum team. If you allow them to get into the game and create momentum and create space, they become a dangerous side to play. You've got to be able to shut them down and shut them, like what Ireland did to them in the second half and, and didn't even allow them to get going. When they can't get going, they will because I think with Ireland is they live and die by the sword. I mean Scotland. They live and die by the sword. And I think they don't have the side good enough to go toe-to-toe with the best in the world. So for them, what their strength is the ability to create stuff for nothing, but it can also come down to hurt them because they're always going to keep trying to create something. And I do think with Hupe Lutu there, the, set, the, the center combination, it gives Finn extra options and his extra, extra guys can create something which will help them against the Springboks, but they forwards will need to have the best game they've had this year. And I know like a lot of people will be like, oh, just target Finn. I feel like Finn does bait teams into sort of rushing yeah. out and trying to hit him because yeah. he's so good at delivering the ball late anyway, and he, he doesn't mind taking those hits. And people were like, "Oh, you're, he's having a bad game." And I'm like, yeah, but wow, he's taking out a, he's taking out one of your best defenders because he's not hit him. He's hit him late, but the ball he's, he's still gotten the ball away. So, at what cost does it come? So, I think with, with Scotland, you just gotta make sure that you stop the momentum. You don't let they you don't let them get going because once the patterns, England couldn't stop them from from playing and they and they just kept them in the game. I think the Springboks are very good at stopping that one thing the springboks are, are very good at doing is stopping you from playing the way that you want to play that's something mm-hmm. that they, they, yeah. they can start on your right ball and, they, and, and and scotland if they impose that quickly scotland will fall away quickly that's that's i think that's the big tool for Springboks. but they just they just must not let that thing get into a a, a shootout that's what scotland wants i think the box scotland would love to go a 34 30 game with the spring that's the sort of game they wanted to be. They, they, they don't want a 15-10 scrap. They know it's not going to end well.
0: And um, who's the biggest threat for Scotland that's not named Finn Russell? books. <laughs> ben <Ew>. White.
1: <laughs> <There's> yeah, <divine>. hundred <laughs> yeah, percent. You got gotta, you gotta ben, slow
2: down the rugby. Don't get him out. Mm. Don't let him get going. He he's been for me a revelation this year. Um, I, I was in in the in the Ali Price camp, but, uh, they selected Ben White. I was like, who's this guy? But with him there, they, they have really had that extra half second that Ali Price wasn't giving them. So I don't know if he's very experienced. I don't think he is. So get him out of the game and you cut off Finn's ball. Then you don't have to blitz Finn, which is what he wants. Um, so I, I would say go after Ben White.
1: I think, I mean, the, I will to talk about the Packers. Stuart Hogg needs to turn into Stuart Hogg yes, that's oh, yeah. he needs to turn into Stuart hogg like he's, just, he's he's been very quiet and I think they need his X factor because I, I i trust Finn and the two and um the Hugh Pudu. I trust them I think he, Stuart Hogg has to go into play of best top five play in the world sort of form in the world cup and and for Scotland to sort of think of going to the quarterfinals I think He's an ex-cock or Blake King, who I thought has been very good coming off the bench for, for Scotland at 15 anyway. So, you know, I think, I think this is a massive year for Stuart Hogan. I think he's needs his boot as well. He, almost he has to be man of the match in that game. By the way, Stuart Hogan is playing this weekend. Did you guys see the news?
0: We just said, I was just about to mention that, that they both rolled out. So I'm so glad that BD Italia rugby is going to win on Saturday. It's going to be great. <laughs>
2: Finally, <laughs>
0: I was just going to say that you're putting a lot of trust on um, Edinburgh Clayton Blomkies there, Cooks. Amen. <laughs>
1: <Hey>, <laughs> I, I, I used to, I used to fight Black King on, but I mean the guy is, is pretty nice. I, I, I like him coming off the benches, and, and and Clayton Blomkies is, um, is is trading off his um, on the Curry Cup gold tag because he's playing good <laughs> for the Stormers, as I always say. There's no one more dangerous in the Curry <laughs> Cup game than Clayton Blomkies of the cheetahs
0: and yeah, I think that's actually a good segue to bring us to sort of the final sort of part of this pod, which is just talking to Rian about, you know, his favorite team um, and his first or maybe second or third love, Oof. which is the Lions. We have to. Rian, I mean, yeah, obviously the first thing is that we are going to make sure this podcast is um, only available to our premium subscribers so that no um, scouts of other teams pick <laughs> up any of the good players that are mentioned here. But yeah, weird few weeks. None whatsoever. (laughs) It's been a weird few weeks for the Lions. Like, I've been having a bit of a losing run. The story comes out about, you know, some of the conditions that the players are playing in and the ratings and they're not happy with the coach. And then they come out and they beat the Bulls and are actually now in contention to make the the URC knockouts. Like, I don't even know how you even contextualize Adrian, but like, yo, how, (laughs) how do you feel about all of that happening?
2: All, all hail Frankie Horn is what I have to say. <laughs> the, the Warren Whiteley reborn. Um, it's no surprise that the moment he came back, we're on a two-game winning run. Uh, I just think we were lacking leaders. Um, as soon as he got injured, we fell apart. It's, it's hard to say that we rely on one guy so much, but that just seems, seems the way it is. Um, it's been a tough old year. I thought we would be better this year than last year, um, but it hasn't, it's like every year. Okay, it's a young team again. Um, We need to develop again, give cash some more time again. Um, I'm sure we'll be saying the same thing next year, but now all the Sharks are turning into our spoilers. We're just making it easier for Irish teams to get into the top eight and South African teams uh, to fall out. (laughs) Uh, I was happy for the Bulls. (laughs) <laughs> for, for us to beat the Bulls, but maybe we should have done that earlier in the season and not when it's really important that the Bulls keep winning so they make the top eight. Uh, I would be happy to lose against SA sides and, and beat everyone else. So Benetton away is our next game. I, I can't see us winning that even um, with the way we've been playing. So um, just for us now, it's it's... Just try and build. Uh, maybe I don't see us making the top eight, unfortunately. Maybe start focusing on um, the European Challenge Cup. Maybe we could do something there. We have actually been been okay there, um, because the URC is is long gone. I think.
0: Yeah, I don't know. man. like the sneaky win there against Benetton, you're gonna definitely face the Leinster under-18 team. Um, in that match at home, we've got Zebra at home, mm. like. See yeah, those four matches are relatively winnable. I mean, depending on if Benetton introduces all their Italian players for that first game.
2: There's a chance? I think they might be resting them. So there is a chance. If we, if we get on the plane early, acclimatize nicely, maybe. But uh, uh, it's a long shot at this stage, I think. We, we, maybe if they, they play a couple games in the Curry Cup with a full-strength team, just to warm up before we go that way. I think there's a chance. And if Frankie Horn is there, as long <laughs> as he's there, that man is is guiding light for the rest of the team. He keeps the heads calm and and he supports, uh, uh, he's a beautiful link player between the, the forwards
0: and the backs. I think you're right about that, Frankie Horn um, point, especially just with that uh, loose chair and just giving it a lot more balance because I think it gives Chuduka a bit more of a opportunity to just be that, you know, just physical monster that he is like in the ruts and like carrying the ball and making those big yeah. tackles. So I think it does maybe put everyone in their right, um, like role when, when he's there. So he's definitely a key. And then obviously I think everyone's now favorite line player, our scrum capped um, Jonathan Davies impersonator, um, Inger Van Vake has just been also a big revelation at, at the back line. But, you know, one player I'd like to shout out in the Lions that I don't think gets enough um, love is um, Kian Horn. I don't know if it's because his name is difficult to say or what the situation is, but like, I really, really, really think he's been one of the best players. And I think he's a genuine, like international or potential international because that his ability to just create space for others is just really, really good at this age.
2: Yeah, I think also it's helped that Andres Kutsia has come back. He's been able to learn, even though people might not like Bubus, uh, He's got a lot of experience and and stuff. He can teach guys like uh, Kwan On. Um He's I think Quan uh, was a bit frantic um, last year. He he would try to beat every player. And now I think he's he's added a bit yeah. of kicking to his game. He's he's calmed his head down. And like you say, he knows how to create space for someone like Henku or Ed Wolf and Amarvo, who's been who's been having a real good time running next to him. It it, it has been good to see Quan get better. And I think we can attribute some of that to, to Andres just helping him mature and make the correct decisions. Cause there's one thing Andres could say always that he might not have been stepping people, but he almost never got turned over. He always knew where to run the ball back to make sure that there is support or forwards to protect him. And I think that's what Kwan is also getting in his game now.
0: And good just from a non sort of lines perspective, like I think it's just, I think we just want the Lions to, you know, be able to keep some players for a few years, build some momentum, like, yeah, and just see sort of the vibes that we saw in the mid 2010s, which I assume was probably Iran's best time as a Lions fan the last few years. Like that sort of excitement around the team. And I mean, you're a Joe and now, Cook. So I, I assume that will just also make like the, the rest of the city I'm alive too. <laughs>
1: It would. Um, and then you got to risk your life and go to Ellis Park. So it's a bit of a catch-22. So, um, <laughs> and he's just like playing like at uh, Albert
2: on the Racket Club or something. Yeah,
1: cheapest, Like, yeah, like that's, I mean, that's a rent for a different day. But yeah, I think obviously in an ideal world, I mean, as, I mean, obviously again, M- i and I'd, to, I'd love for the Lions to do well and, groom their players so they can go join the mighty sharks. I mean, that's what the yeah. Sharks fan wants to see. <laughs> but I think for the <laughs> African rugby to have four, to have the Lions also competing because I, I, I'm i genuinely selfish in saying that I want all four of us sides to be in Europe and playing the champions cup and dominating the URC. That's, that's what I want it to be. Um, and I think the Lions, they, the way they, they, they building now and, you saw that because sort of the season, the middle patches there, I think they sort of dip and now they're sort of being formed again. I really do want the Lions to do well again. And, and and I think they do have the players, the Frankie Horns, the Quinn Horns, and, you know, there are players there that can make the city come alive again. Because I remember the the, the Lions had the them in those three-story finals. They were, they were arguably one of the best sides in the competition to watch. And it was genuinely good to watch them play. And I, and I want the Lions to reach those heights again so yeah so less of them eating hot dogs on tour <laughs> and let's um yeah. let's, let's 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 sort them out yeah so, 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 so as Africans we can dominate I mean like I, I do anything we can do what the New Zealand sides did in Super Rugby back then with the URC with the depth that we have and the quality that we have and and I, I, I do feel like SA Rugby has to intervene as well and be like there's certain guys who aren't, like if you look at the Stormers, for example, they've got like a Kate Voleter, a Cade to Amon a Sherlock Diplissi, there's, there's like four flowers, who aren't getting a game, or there's some players that there's a lock jam some in certain positions. Send someone of them to the Lions, maybe loan out a Brucho to go play 12 for the Lions and get some, some, some URC games and things like that where, like in New Zealand, that don't happen like now instead of having guys just not playing, so... But yeah, I'm keen to see. And also the Lions have signed very, very good youngsters for next year. Some very promising guys was good last year. So the, the structures at the bottom look good, and I hope that we can translate to success for the senior side. And that's the most good things you hear me say with the Lions for the rest of the year.
2: <laughs> just stop embarrassing us. That's what I would love. Just stop embarrassing me with hot dog stories and playing in your training kit, <laughs> having the numbers ironed on just before the game. If those things can stop, it's already a win. I, I see that.
1: I mean, R- R- I'm from PE. I mean, I, I I I thought the Southern Kings were were done. I never knew they followed me to Joburg. <laughs> I mean, like some of the stories you've heard, I was like, what's going on? Here? It's a little tribute. It's just a tribute to to, to the guys <laughs> we
2: we left behind.
0: Yeah, um, I think it's yeah. I hope really that things turn around and that's, yeah, we, we hear less of those sort of stories because, yeah, that's definitely not how any professional team should be <laughs> conducting themselves. Yeah, and Rian, I hope, yeah, those those days from 2015, 2016 come back again and, yeah, minus uh, a Smith red card, you could be, yeah, you could have been sort of champions of the South.
2: Digging oh, up some so so lots of therapy sessions <laughs> after that game for Quagha, but... Uh, I, I've I've told myself I'll take that red card if it means we win the World Cup a few years later so that's how I've dealt with it and uh, that's how I'll always always deal with it uh, Razor Robertson man that man came in at the wrong time now he's going to come in for the All Blacks as well and ruin everyone's time
0: sure look I think that's the last thing Cooks having a coach breakdance on your field like it has to be on site from there like I think a Lions player should have just come and just like stiff-armed him or something like that. You can't have someone just going and doing their sort of breakdance routine after they win on your field.
1: I don't know what's worse, Tyler, that a Scott Robertson breakdancing or Yoko Fanta Veste is sitting on the poles at King's Park. So I, don't, I don't know what's worse. <laughs> uh, I still don't know what's worse. The,
2: the R- Robertson breakdance was enough reason to knock down Ellis Park, salt the earth, Put a fence around it, <laughs> not even a parking lot, <laughs> and build a stadium somewhere else.
1: No, hundred percent. Take the, the and, other
2: co- since then it's been downhill. It's cursed.
1: And hundred 100%, percent. And hundred percent. And um, no, so hopefully Re- if Re- if I see Razor Re- 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 breakdancing in Ellis Park after they beat the Springboks Box to the Rugby Re- Re- Championship, um may that be my maybe may my last day working with Super Sport. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to the Eastern Cape is enough of this. Yeah. I may <laughs> go teach kids
0: again. <laughs> It'd be much better there. But yes, I think that has been an amazing um, interview with um, with Rian. Thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. And yeah, I think maybe no, just giving you a, f- a few seconds just to pump out your 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 show and 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 where people can follow you on Twitter and on YouTube. Where where, where what must they search to to get? are um, great. What of. is
2: my Twitter handle? I don't know. Um, <laughs> um that's probably where I'm most active now is <laughs> is Twitter, even though I don't know my handle. Ringo twenty-six. Ringo is my nickname from school. So Ringo at Ringo26 is, is my handle. And uh on on YouTube it's just Rian Lo. Um I don't know why I didn't pick some name like uh, Rugby Bits or something.
0: <laughs> just search
2: for my name there. And every Tuesday I sit late and and upload a video at one in the morning. So um just a fun little rugby update every every week, just to catch people up on what's happening on the weekend, and hopefully make people laugh.
0: That's that's goal number one. Yes, and you definitely achieve that every week. And that is the does yeah, it for a bumper edition of the Rugby Bits podcast. Thank you so much for listening and for supporting our show. Please subscribe to the show. Please like us. Drop the ratings. Make sure that we climb up in those um, rugby. Um, those those rugby charts all over the world we are coming for you austria and vietnam and poland and all these big rugby hotbeds that we are apparently popular in and yeah we will definitely see you again during the course of the week for another edition of the rugby podcast